So the fourth commandment is where we find ourselves this morning. To keep, to remember the Sabbath day. To keep it holy, by keeping it holy. There's a couple ways we have seen this translated. Uh, our goal this morning, sorry I got stuff moving around up here. Our goal this morning is to uh, gain a biblical understanding of the Sabbath uh, because God has called for us to rest. Um, so I don't, I was looking around and I was trying to remind, remind but I didn't want to call anybody out, but uh, as I was thinking through how do we understand patterns of rest in America, uh, really what we understand now, the five-day work week is something that's rather recent, the 40-hour work week, uh, something that got passed in 1938, the Fair Labor Standards Act, passed by Franklin Delano Roosevelt himself, uh, part of the New Deal. It established what we know as that five-day, 40-hour work week, along with uh, a lot of other things, the federal minimum wage, overtime, child labor laws. And we are so a part of that culture that's been created by, uh, you know, the laws that were passed you know, 80 years ago, that we don't often think, we, it's hard for us to think outside of that structure, outside of this regular rhythm of time. You see, we, we think about the weekend. We work Monday through Friday and Saturday and Sunday for so many. And unless you're in uh, a medical field, an emergency responder field, or you might work in retail, and that's even more recent of a phenomena, uh, you would think about those terms of, of working during the week, and the weekend is a time of rest and then a time of worship. Uh, but this is rel relatively recent in history, and it's also something that's very Western. Uh, it's modern, it's Western, it's not something you expect or would see outside of uh, this last century and in the West. So I want us to think, how does our eight-hour work week condition us to think about what work, what, what qualifies as work and play. And I know many of you, some of you I know work way more than 40 hours a week. Uh, some of you are privileged to be retired but still using that time for work. Uh, but then I think about, just think about how we are shaped, our kids are shaped because they go to school, what? Five days a week, eight hours a day. It's, uh, it's something that we as a culture have embraced and it's shaped our nation. It shaped the way that we live our day-to-day -day lives. It shaped the way that we recreate. It shaped even the way that we worship. You see, this time, this rhythm of time is not part of the culture of the ancient Near East. So when God is establishing a nation, the nation of Israel, when he's calling a people to himself, one of the things that he knew was important because he's God, he knows he's going to establish their rhythm. And we even saw this when he establishes Passover. What did he do? He said, you're going to count your years from this point on. Here's a new calendar for you to live by. And now he's going to, as he's establishing the, the founding documents, the founding laws for this nation, he's saying, look, this is how you are going to function week in, week out. You're going to function around this pattern this rhythm of work and rest and worship. He establishes this so that they might foster a worshipful dependence upon him. This actually promotes a beneficial and gracious rest for the people whom he loves. So I'm a, I want to give that kind of introduction uh, before we read the text because then I want to unpack the text and then talk about its implications for us. So, if you will, I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we read from the Word. We're going to be reading from Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11 this morning. It's the longest commandment, uh, so you can guess that. I don't know, I'm not going to promise about how long we'll spend in each of the next ones, but this is the longest commandment, so you can imagine that carries some weight behind it in the Ten Commandments. So let's read verse 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. 
On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So you can be seated. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we come before you this morning, Lord, on a day which is a day of worship, a day of rest for so many of us. Lord, as we are unpacking your word, Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to the purpose of this Sabbath, the purpose of the rest that you have called us and called Israel to, and Lord, then called all of mankind to enter into, because this Sabbath Lord, is not fulfilled in a day, it is fulfilled in a person, your Son, Jesus Christ. So Lord, I pray as we seek to understand why you established this pattern of living for the Israelites, Lord, may we understand, Lord, how our lives need to be patterned as well, but patterned, Lord, around your Son. Lord, may you give us grace to hear the Word, and Lord, may we see, Lord, your loving kindness to provide rest for your people. Lord, I pray we would learn how to rest well today. And Lord, we would learn that we can only rest in your Son. Lord, bless the reading and preaching of your word this morning. Lord, give us hearts, Lord, ready to hear, Lord, ready to consider your truth. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. So remember the Sabbath day. To keep it holy. You know, we don't necessarily have a, a easy understanding of the Sabbath because of how different our weeks look like as modern Americans. So the Israelites, you have to think about where they were coming from. They were an enslaved people in a foreign nation. They weren't getting a day of rest. There's no evidence of some type of day set apart in Egypt. And you can imagine, what did life look like for them when they were working day in, day out, long days with never a moment to rest? Enslaved, oppressed, but now for God to call them out of slavery and to call them to say, you will be your own people. I'm going to provide land for you to work, homes that you didn't build You're going to be my people, but part of being my people is I'm going to even provide for you a day in which you will cease from your labors completely. A day that is to be holy. We talked about holy. It means it's to be set apart. And he says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Some translations would say, by keeping it holy. So you are to remember this day of rest by making it a day that is holy, set apart for God, set apart to worship Him, to consider Him, to rest in Him. So what is the purpose of the Sabbath? The purpose of the Sabbath is for the Israelites to learn dependence upon God who has provided and to maintain that dependence. You see, what's the temptation of when they have all this freedom all of a sudden, they're going to now have the ability not to work for someone else, but to work for themselves. So when you get six days to yourself, well, I want that seventh because that's that's another percentage that I can take for myself. But God says, no, you are going to set apart a day because you need to remember, one, you did not earn any of this freedom, any of what you've gotten by your own hand. It was given to you, but then you need to be reminded regularly because we are a forgetful people, are we not? Have we not learned that already in Exodus? We forget. We need a weekly reminder. I mean, that's God being gracious to say, here, you need rest, but... Hey, you need to be reminded that you can't fix it all. 
that you can't change it all, that you cannot hold it all together. You need to take a day to look and to remember who brought you out of slavery, who created the heavens and the earth. And if He is the one who says, rest, stop from your labors, maybe you should take that rest because maybe if He created all things, He can take care of it. What is the purpose of the Sabbath? It is The purpose is to let the people find their rest in God. Because ever since the fall, and we got to understand that work is not a bad thing. Adam was created and he was called to, when he's created before the fall, God says to till, to, to cultivate, to steward the garden. He was working before the fall. But ever since the fall, work has become difficult, challenging. We're constantly battling against sin and its effects. Whether that's a a law enforcement officer trying to battle to keep the peace, or a doctor who's battling to, to provide healing and to provide protection from those who are trying to recover from diseases who've been hurt because of sin. Our work is defined by a battle against sin, is it not? In so many ways. And God says, look, you're called to work, but your work will never be sufficient. Take a day, rest, and remember, I am the one who rescues. Psalm 62 speaks of this. Here we... Hear the psalmist say, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. The purpose of the Sabbath was to find refuge and to seek refuge in God. The Israelites, though, they're called to remember the Sabbath and they're called to keep it holy or they're to remember by keeping it holy. So it was to be a day that was different from the rest and it was different in that it was set apart to rest and that rest was to be worshipful. That rest was to be worshipful. They're to take this time because it is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. See that in verse 10. But the seventh day, it is a Sabbath to your, the Lord your God. It was a rest to God. It was a day set apart to God. His purposes. And it was because if you were to stop all that you were doing, what were you supposed to do with that time? It was to look to God. To remember what God had done. What God had provided. It says on it, You shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or even your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. See, this was a a call to keep this day holy, and it, it encompassed everyone. And not just every person, whether they were an Israelite or a sojourner or a stranger or a servant, it even was a requirement for their livestock. Your livestock are to rest on this day. There was a debate in by the rabbis in the centuries before Christ and in that first century of what if you were to find an egg under a hen on the Sabbath morning? When was the work done? Could you eat that egg? Could you take that egg? And see, that was an application of this truth where they were confused about, they started to see the how and the what they were supposed to do on the Sabbath, but they forgot the purposes of the Sabbath. You see, this was a call to refrain from work because it was going to shape how the entire nation functioned. You think about how, our, how the, the Federal, Fair Labor Standards Act of 1938 has shaped our nation. I mean, if you just thought about how that five-day work week, the 40-hour work week, how it shapes every one of our lives, whether how you were educated, what jobs you had growing up, 
how you as an employee or an employer handle those who work for you or who you work for. It's how you plan to spend time with your family, how you plan to, to structure your future. It's really defined by our federal laws, isn't it? So that in that sense, God was shaping the culture for the people of Israel by making their week be shaped and centered around a day where they could do nothing because they were to rest in Him. God knows that we need to rest. One of the reasons that that five-day work week was promoted by Henry Ford was because he knew that workers were not productive. They lost productivity and, and more accidents happened when people were overworked. When we think about this, maybe... You know, God is the creator of all. Maybe he has some wisdom on how we should handle our work, how we should handle our rest. God knows we need rest. He knows not just that, but he knows that we can fall to the temptation to worship our work, doesn't he? It's tempting to say, man, if I could just get this done, I could take care of this. And we just try to do more and do more and do more. If I could just work this day, I work every day this week, I can make enough money and then I'll have peace. Then I'll have contentment. We can fall so easily to the temptation to worship our work. But God knows we need rest. And not just that, but He made clear through this law that this worshipful rest was to be experienced by everyone. Masters could not make their servants work. Think about that implication. So masters could not make their servants work. Bosses couldn't schedule a shift on this day. No one was to work. So God was protecting those who could not protect their own time and energy. But God was graciously doing this, but He was doing it because Israel was to be a light to the nations. So He says, even the sojourner who is within your gates... You need to testify to the God who provides by making even those who visit, even those who are outsiders, even those who do not belong to our nation, observe this rule so that they might know the God who is in control of all things. He lets His people rest. calls his people to refrain from work. He calls them to trust the one who made all things. In verse 11, In six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. See, he's calling his people to trust the one who made all things. The one who worked and then rested. Trust him. You see, I think this reveals something. Something Moses points out in Deuteronomy. What you rest in is what you are in bondage to. Deuteronomy 5.15, the when Moses re-gives the Ten Commandments, he has this statement that goes along with the Fourth Commandment that's not in Exodus. He says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. See, God saved Israel from enslavement. They were to remember the Sabbath so they would remember the slavery that once consumed them and remember that God had rescued them. See, they didn't have a, a choice when they were slaves in Egypt. They didn't have rest because they were in bondage. But what we don't realize is that we think we have freedom. We think that we know best so we often choose to rest in things that we think are going to give us freedom. But in fact, we become bound to them. Enslaved 
to them. When he calls his people to rest in the one who created all things, the one who rescued them from Egypt, he's calling for them to rest in God's provision and rescue. God knew that the bondage we experience, it's not often overt. It can come in the form of work, for sure. But it also exposes our hearts when it becomes clear we are bound by entertainment, indulgence, laziness, or whatever else our heart immediately goes to to find relief. But these things are only freeing for a time. Without enjoying them in light of God's rescue, they will be just as enslaving as the Egyptians. The one who created all things has set apart a day for his people to rest and worship. Denying the gift of rest or denigrating it was not only offensive to God, but it was a foolish endeavor. It throws away a good gift that cannot be purchased back. Now, does this sound familiar? You see, God's people, when we read the Old Testament, they would constantly fall back on their Sabbath keeping. We see the failure throughout the the Chronicles, Book of Chronicles, the Book of the Kings. We see the failure of the kings to enforce the Sabbath. The failure, because the Sabbath wasn't just, we see it immediately in the seventh day of the week is to be a Sabbath apart, but there's also a Sabbath every seventh year. There's also a Sabbath every seventh, seventh year, the 50th year, the year of Jubilee. And in those other Sabbaths, it wasn't just the people who were to rest, but the land was to rest, and then the people were to free themselves from from obligation by canceling debts, by freeing slaves, and returning the land of the promise, God's provision, to those whom it was first given to. You see, the Sabbath was a pattern that was not just to shape their week, but was to shape their years, and then their even centuries. For the first time, the jubilee ever even got enacted was not 50 years after the giving of the law, but instead was almost 400 years or 500 years after. You see, the people of God, they constantly fell back on their Sabbath keeping. They ignored it. They allowed business to come in. And in fact, as we read from the prophets, one of the main reasons that the Israelites are said that they are sent into exile wasn't just their idol worship, but their idol worship that was evident in their failure to keep the Sabbath. quoted as one of their main reasons they're sent into exile. And when Nehemiah and Ezra come back, if you read those letters, those accounts of the people of Israel coming back from exile, back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple, to rebuild the wall, one of the top priorities that they set apart is the reinstitution of the Sabbath, keeping the Sabbath and all that it entails. Nehemiah, though, had to return back to the Persian Empire, to to assume his responsibilities there. But when he comes back years later, he's only gone a few years after they bring about great reform, and they're already ignoring the Sabbath. They're selling items at the Sabbath. They've opened the doors. There's people out from outside that are coming in and bringing in, and he institutes immediate reforms. He even puts guards up at the gates and then threatens the outsiders who are trying to deal with uh, wares at the outside of the gates. They're camping out on Friday night and waiting for them. He says, if you don't get out of here, I'm going to take the sword to you. Because the Sabbath was that important. The Sabbath was a priority for the people of God. The people would rather let the culture around them influence their time which inevitably influenced their worship. We have the Old Testament. We are given this law of keeping the Sabbath, but when we get to the Gospels, there's a very different attitude towards it all. 
So we get to the New Testament and we see that the Sabbath is actually being enforced very strictly. It's kind of like they swing from one end of the spectrum to another. But it's being enforced so strictly that something smells off. In fact, one of Jesus' biggest conflicts throughout the Gospels is how he deals with the Sabbath. See, we get to Jesus and the Gospels and the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they just keep coming after him about doing things on the Sabbath, healing people, providing food for people on the Sabbath. He, he, they keep on saying, look, why are you doing, why are you breaking the law? Because they kept trying to find ways to condemn him. One instance we have is in Mark 2. We read Jesus is with his disciples. It says, one Sabbath he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now here is where Jesus is upending all the twisted thought that the Israelites had begun to embrace about the Sabbath, about how we've just got to keep it, we've got to obey it. It's how we're going to secure through our own power the, the covenant faithfulness so that we can have our land. Because remember, they lost the land because of their failure to keep the Sabbath. So now all of a sudden, they think they're going to keep it by keeping the Sabbath. They've missed the whole purpose, haven't they? Jesus says, look, the Sabbath was not made for man. Or Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The, the Lord, Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was, the whole purpose was to tell the people of God to rest in Him, that He was the one who provided, that He was the one who rescued them. It pointed towards a greater hope that God would one day bring about peace and rest for all. So it's significant, then, that when Jesus begins His ministry, He reads from Isaiah, which is referencing the Sabbath laws and the Jubilee that accompanied it, and He declares that it's fulfilled in this day. So you'll remember this from Luke 4. Jesus, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He enrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. When Jesus began His ministry, He's saying clearly, the Sabbath is fulfilled in Me. The Sabbath is fulfilled in Me. He's saying, look to Me. He says, this is fulfilled in Your presence. It's fulfilled today, He says. He's called to proclaim liberty for those who are oppressed. What what does Moses define the Sabbath with in Deuteronomy 5? That God has brought His people out of Israel. Rest. Called to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's the year of jubilee. He's declaring it's a jubilee enacted. Jesus says about the Sabbath, it is fulfilled in Him, for He is our Sabbath rest. 
in Matthew, he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus says, Find your rest in me. Find your rest in me. Jesus isn't the only one that talks about the Sabbath over. This is a radical change for how the people of Israel are to understand the Sabbath. It's it's no longer about the keeping of the seventh day. It's about finding rest in God and His provision. And if He's the fulfillment of it, you ask, well, what does it mean to keep the Sabbath? This was different because the Sabbath, as we understand it in the Ten Commandments of Exodus, it's part of the Mosaic Covenant, the covenant for the people to keep them in the land. The covenant promise that God says, if you keep these laws, you will live long and prosperous lives in the land that I have promised to you. So he says, you need to realize that you are going to find rest if you rest in me. And when they inevitably don't seek to rest in Him. They don't find rest and they don't find peace. So what was the solution? It was to point to the rest that God would provide Himself. Instead of them having to keep the rest, they are called now to trust in Christ. We are called to find rest in Him. So when Paul talks about the Sabbath, he says, look, your rest is is in Christ. When it comes to keeping a day set apart, he says in Romans 14, one person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. Paul says it's not about keeping the day it's about resting in Christ but you serve and you live according to your conscience as you think will best uh, will best uh, focus on that observance the observance of trusting and resting in Christ he then goes on in Colossians 2 therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. See, Paul understood Sabbath pointed to the one who would provide true rest. Paul understood that the Sabbath was never meant to be... a the fulfillment of all things, it was to point to the fact that God would provide rest. God would provide for His people. So we then read in Hebrews, probably one of the most important passages I can share with you this morning. Therefore, in Hebrews 4, 1-10, Therefore, while the promise of entering His rest still stands, Let us fear, lest any of you should have seemed to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, They shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again he appoints a certain day today, saying through David so long afterward, and in the words already quoted, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. 
The author of Hebrews is speaking of the Israelites who failed to enter into the rest that God provided because they were not, as he says, united by faith. But God provided that rest because God promised to bring about a rest for His people, a rest for all mankind by those who would trust in Christ who has accomplished salvation. That rest was not fulfilled in the promised land. That rest was not fulfilled in Israel taking over Canaan. That rest is fulfilled in Christ alone. The work that He accomplished on the cross by taking on our sins and providing life so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. The fourth commandment says to keep the Sabbath. We are to keep the Sabbath, but the Sabbath, as we understand it in Exodus, was the sign of the Mosaic Covenant. It was a promise to God's people that they would find rest. But it was a requirement to obey it because they needed that constant reminder that their only rest was in God. But if this rest is fulfilled in Christ as Jesus claims in the Gospel, if it's fulfilled in Christ as Paul explained in Romans and makes clear in Colossians, and then as the author of Hebrews makes very clear that means for us, how do we keep the Sabbath? How do we keep the Sabbath? Not by just setting a day apart. And I want to talk about that in a minute because that could be a means that might be healthy for you. But it is by finding our rest in Jesus in all things. It's by finding our hearts at peace with Him. It's by not holding on to our work, not holding on to our pleasures, not seeking rest and fulfillment in those things, not seeking security in those things, but finding our security in the finished work of Christ on the cross and the new life that He promises to give to all who believe. Our rest is fulfilled in Christ. That's why He can declare at the beginning of His ministry, this is fulfilled in me. The year of Jubilee is here. The Sabbath, it is fulfilled. Come and take up my yoke. For it's light. I've come to give you rest. We are to find our rest in Jesus in all things. And here's the practical outworking of this you need to physically rest. We are psychosomatic beings. That means our, our body and soul are united. We're created by God. Both. What happens to our body affects our soul. What happens to our soul will affect our bodies. And God knowing that as He instructs His people that they need to have a rhythm of life that will create a dependence upon Him that will help them to remember the truth about His salvation, He says, rest. Take an entire day out of your week and rest. If God in His wisdom told the people of Israel to take one day a week to rest and meditate on His provision and to worship Him, it's probably a good idea. When I say probably a good idea, I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek. It is a good idea directly from the Lord our Creator for you to take time to rest. You can participate in that rest freely, without guilt. You can take part in that rest for the sake of yourself and for the sake of others. Knowing that that declaration of, I am going to rest, I'm going to cease from my labor so I can point others to the fact that my labor will not save me, but I know the one who has. This gift of rest is a gift of grace. We need to take times where we break from our labor. But you need to consider what that rest looks like. I love what D.A. Carson says. 
It says, sometimes the godliest thing you can do in the universe is get a good night's sleep. That's, as a father of a newborn, I can tell you that's true. (laughs) You need to rest. And here's grace from God. Rest guilt-free knowing that He says it is what is best for you. And don't believe the lie that you have to work. Don't believe the lie that you have to work constantly and never rest, for He's calling for you to trust in Him. But even as we think about what this rest looks like, we have to ask ourselves some questions. I want to ask these to help you think about this. Is the way in which I rest a way that rejuvenates my soul? Is it a way in which I am reminding my soul through whatever I'm doing to rest of God's goodness, of God's provision, of God's God's control over all things. God's salvation that He's provided for me. The rescue He's provided me through His Son. The new life that He's promised me and the restoration of all things that will come in the new heavens and the new earth. Is that where I am resting even as things are falling apart all around me? Am I taking time to rest to remember those things so that my soul might find rejuvenation? Is it a rest that points yourself and others to the gracious provision of God? So not just for yourself, but for others. If we live lives where we're workaholics, where we're working 24-7 and we have others who look up to us and they see you, they might see you successful right now because you are working so much and they think that's the answer, but what they need to hear is they need to have a regular pattern, a rhythm of rest so that they might be dependent upon God, they might remember what God has done. Does your rest point others to God's gracious provision? Is it a rest that makes clear that God's holiness is our goal? Remember, he says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Keep it holy. God calls for our rest to be focused on Him, to be geared towards His holiness so that our lives might be changed and made more like Christ because here's the truth. If our rest isn't geared towards that, it's not rest. And while it may feel good at the time, it will inevitably wear the foundations out from under us and we'll come crashing down. So what does that mean? That means that what you find rest in is affecting the state of your soul. And it could be pointing you more and more towards God or it might be pointing you more and more towards the world, more and more towards even yourself. But any rest that does not find its focus in God and His holiness, it's not real rest. I want to be honest. I'm terrible at this. Far too often, I don't delineate my work time and my rest time. Sometimes my work interferes with rest, and sometimes rest interferes with work. So I'm preaching this sermon to myself just as much as I am to you. What I think we need to see is that what the fourth commandment tells us to do is to set apart time to rest, to set apart time, devote time to God-centered God-focused rest so that we can work hard the rest of the time to the glory of God. So what are you doing to set apart time each week, perhaps even each day, to set your work and the world aside? 
set your work and the world aside and to meditate on God's goodness. Now, you'll notice that I've not said that Sunday is this new Sabbath and you must practice this habit on Sunday. Because if, one, that's exactly what Paul says not to do when we read from Colossians and Romans, and if that was the truth, then I'm violating this commandment every single week. Here's the thing, we're called to rest and we're free now to find that rest in whatever way will glorify God and he says, figure that out. Paul says in Romans 14, figure that out how you feel convicted according to your convictions, but don't press it on anybody else because what do you do the moment that you do that? If you press your Sabbath keeping upon somebody else and say you have to keep your Sabbath this way, you're telling them to rest in something other than the finished work of Sabbath is not the same thing as the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day is the first day of the week. It's, the, it's the, when the church has traditionally gathered, even as we see in Scripture, to celebrate, to worship, to hear the preaching of the Word, to gather together, to partake of the communion, the family meal together. But it's not called a Sabbath in the New Testament. The Sabbath is Christ. Our rest is is fulfilled, is found in Christ. So what does this mean for you and I? Let's find our rest in Christ, but let's also remember that means we might, and I say might, but we most definitely need to find time, some time, that we are able to set apart time to focus on Him. And here's the thing, we as modern Americans, have no excuse. Our federal laws set apart two entire days where we don't have to work, but how much of that time are we even spending, even devoting at all to the worship of our Lord, our Creator? Are you setting apart time? For some, it will be Sunday. For me, I've tried to make the habit of Mondays of being a time of rest where I spend time with family, where, where I, I rest and I listen and recover and to focus on what God has done for me. But i got to do a better job of it myself. But this rest doesn't mean that you have to say, oh, I'm just going to sit in my house and do nothing. I want to encourage you to think rest by looking at God's provision. Rest by sharing a meal with another family. Where you can extend love to someone else, but also speak of how God has so graciously provided for you. It could be taking your family, hop in the car and go up to Martin's Fork and sit, have a picnic at the lake when it's warmer. Take in the beauty of God's gracious salvation and the beauty of God's gracious provision for His people. could mean going for a hike. I, I love the outdoors. Going to Camp Blanton. Going to Kingdom Come. could mean you are going to say, I'm going to take time out of my week. If your weekend is full, I'm going to take time during the week to set apart, to meditate on God's goodness and to share that with others. The communal aspect of keeping the Sabbath day is so important. It's why that verse 10 is there that you, your son, your daughter, your servants, your livestock, the sojourner with you. They all need that reminder. See, we could all so very easily fall into a failure to keep the Sabbath by failing find our rest in Christ who is our only rest our only hope and we need this regular gathering that's why the author of Hebrews will go on in chapter 10 to say don't neglect the gathering of yourselves together because you need this encouragement you need this reminder so one find rest but find rest that will rejuvenate your soul 
Find rest that points yourself and others to God's provision. Find rest that makes clear God's holiness is your goal. Whatever you do, or whatever you don't do, make sure that it helps you to focus and enjoy God's blessing in a way that reminds you of Christ's love for you. The purpose of the Sabbath was for the people of God to find their rest in God. They failed to do that in the Old Testament. And they became enslaved yet again. We don't have to be enslaved. We don't have to be enslaved to our work. We don't have to be enslaved to our sin. We don't have to be enslaved to the world, to the devil, and the flesh. We have been granted freedom. That freedom comes in Christ who has fulfilled all and who says I am your Sabbath rest that rest comes about through repentance and faith because we all have to admit we've sought rest in other things we've sought rest in our work as crazy as that sounds we've sought rest in the world's comforts pleasures, recreation now it's the time to see the futility of it all. It's time for us to step into the rest of the one who saved us from our sin to a rest greater than anything that we can imagine. So I want to encourage all of you, let's obey this fourth commandment. But let's obey it in light of how it's been fulfilled in Christ. May he be our rest this day and every day going forward. Christ, our Sabbath, the one who's accomplished salvation, the one who frees us from the bondage of slavery to sin, just as Moses talked about in Deuteronomy. In him, we can have rest. Let's pray.